Hi, and welcome to Things of Interest. This is part two of our two-part session with Erica Chan, science fiction writer and tech lawyer extraordinaire. If you haven't listened to part one, I strongly suggest you go back and listen to it because we recorded in a two-hour marathon and so it will make a lot more sense if you just go straight from one to the other and I guarantee you that both of these episodes are a lot of fun. Uh, if you don't normally listen to us, of course, it's Things of Interest. I'm Sophia Frentz. My co-host is Serena Chen. And this episode and last episode, we're interviewing Erica Chan. Enjoy. Can I just say that I really, I'm really enjoying this episode. <laughs> Me too. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, talking about sort of representation, like the moment you sort of had where you were like, oh, God, I needed this. I think, like... Cosima and Orphan Black was probably one of my really big ones. Oh, awesome. Both because of just, like, gay scientists, <laughs> but also things like, spoilers for Orphan Black, she develops, like, a lung cancer that was sort of, like, caused to her, and, like, I'm definitely going through, like, disability experiences right now, and I'm having to walk with a stick because of, like, things that were done to me, like, things that aren't just like, oh, no, you're unlucky, like actively someone else made a choice and now I like as a result of that like have a disability and that may be temporary it may not be who fucking knows and even though like that experience has sort of like happened a little bit after like I originally watched Orphan Black to have someone like that in media where I can just be like yes and she's the best and I'm so proud of her and I'm gonna be like her it's gonna be great Mm. Yes, absolutely. And also like, oh God, I'm so sorry that's happened to you. That sounds terrible. Yeah, no, it's a wild ride right now in my health. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I guess I completely agree with you and understand. And I think one of those things that I've always, I'm sort of starting to find more interesting now, like, is that um, I struggle a lot with mental health. And back when I was a kid and when I was reading all these stories about these heroes, like, you know, they were like the, the stock standard hero, right? Like they're fine. They're doing well. They're not disabled. They don't have anything of these things to fight for. I fight against. And it's one of those things that I realized actually um, when I'm in a corporation and I'm talking about recruitment and all that sort of stuff, right? Like everyone's always looking for that. Everyone's looking for the person with the perfect marks, with the best family background, all that sort of stuff. But actually it's the ones who have, and I think that, you know, the science is starting to back this up and there's a lot of research in it. It's the people who really struggled. It's the people who've had disabilities and that, that the world is not the perfect place for them, that everyone's going to f- face a challenge at some point. And it's the ones who have faced all these challenges time and time again who keep getting up and keep going. They're the real heroes to me now. Um, and they're mm. the ones that I love to see more represented of in fiction. It's like from both from a practical perspective, right, but also from, you know, a, a real human perspective, which is that in reality we do face all of these things, things are not perfect. So when you see a character who is, you know, not despite of, but because of all of these things, continues to be su- such, so, so badass and awesome. Like it is such a great, awesome thing to see. And now I think I have to go watch Open Black. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it helps us like sort of conceptualize it in reality without kind of, okay. So I have some friends who are very supportive and I love them a lot, and they keep saying things to me like, oh, Sophia, you know, your story's really inspiring. And it's just like, no, (laughs) don't hit me with that. Yes. I realise that you're being very supportive and you just paid for my dinner, so I can't tell you to fuck (laughs) off, but, like, I kind of want to, like, oh, I'm not your inspiration. And so, like, 
making those stories more common and showing people that they're not like, like, I'm not your fucking inspiration. I'm just Mm. like a person who is doing my best. And like, if people could give me $10 every time they call me an inspiration, that would help a lot more (laughs) than telling me how inspiring my story is, right? No, fair enough. It's sorry. I didn't mean uh, to put it across that way. No, no, no. It just, it reminded me of like some very frustrating moments where people have otherwise been really great and then it's just like oh well now I have to kill you like I'm so sorry like you've just you've crossed the line <laughs> <laughs> oh, like oh I'd like to but now I have to yeah no I get you and and I think it's really interesting right because the people who say these things are inspirations are always people who haven't I guess and, and maybe I, maybe I'm overgeneralizing but in my experience they're people who haven't had to do it themselves and they think sit there and they think and they're really they think oh I couldn't possibly do that therefore you know you're incredible you're an inspiration you're this you know you're really special. And I think it's different when there's somebody else who's also sort of gone through a struggle and it's just, it's just appreciating. Yes. You know, it's true that it is really hard and like, you know, and thank you for showing me a way that I can do that. Thank you. Thank you for giving me more tools that I can use more things that I can tell myself when things are getting really hard to go ahead. And I'm glad that story exists because it shows that reality. And yeah, the inspiration one is a really interesting thing where there's a lot of, what do they call it? Inspiration porn? Yeah, inspiration porn. Yeah, and, and I think... I fucking hate it. What What is inspiration porn? So it's like when someone with a disability often or someone with traumatic experiences is held up as being an inspiration for able-bodied people. Like, right. you know, when you watch the Paralympics and you're just like, oh my God, they're so powerful and I love them. But like, you don't actually connect with a human on any level. You're right. just like, they're an inspiration. They're a symbol. Like that guy without legs who climbed Mount Everest, he's an inspiration. But like, you don't know shit about him except for the fact that like, he doesn't have legs and he climbed Mount Everest. Mm. Um, whereas like really like we're fully realized creations right like it's the same way when like you see you synthesize someone down into like their intersections yeah so like if someone was to describe me as like a white queer disabled person like that's fine but if you want to like hold me up as being you know quote unquote an inspiration or what I'd much rather have like a role model Mm. right like you need to know more than that about me you can't just be like she's a gay (laughs) like also she has disabilities like no that's not enough right like I have a whole story associated with that and I have stuff like I don't think that like it's either because of or despite of my difficulties that's why I've succeeded I just like have we don't get a choice and we can't envision like the alternatives where like I didn't have disabilities. I didn't have mental illness. I, like, the dream, right? If I was straight and cis. I don't have that comparative where I can be like, I would have succeeded the same or I wouldn't have succeeded the same. I mean, like, this is a difficult discussion to have because, like, I don't know if we have language surrounding this that's really refined yet. But, like, because of and despite of, I don't think are right words either. To just say, like, they've done it and it's really cool. That's great. Yeah, and I think a lot of the problematic part of um, that inspirational porn is the fact that there's probably quite a bit of survivorship bias as well. And yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you don't see the people who aren't there. No. Yeah. That's why I want to focus on being a role model, right? Because, like, growing up, I knew I wasn't straight. I hadn't sort of come to terms with my non-binary identity yet. And I I knew I had depression. I'm just like, well, everyone who's gay and depressed is homeless or dead, right? Like, those are my options for role models. Mm. So it's not like I want to inspire people to do their best. I want to show them that they can exist in the world. Yes. Sorry, that's a much better way of putting it. And my mistake with the language part. It's, it's, I think it's... it's no, it's difficult. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I agree. I think it, it's, a, it's about 
showing that there is a path forward where you don't have to be or you can be more that you can be yourself you can still do those sorts of things that you've wanted to versus as you said like you know the alternative which often you know going back to fiction there's that there's always that thing of god what is that trope it's like bury your gaze yeah they're like, no, yeah bury your gaze that's right exactly like the worst the worst trope and to so yeah just to have the ability like yes i am here i've survived you can do it too it's it's very different from yeah, as you said, just like, oh, you know, wow, what, you know, this, what a paragon of perfectness and like, you know, so inspirational. Like it's, I think it, it actually just goes back to that idea. It's like, um, what's the, what was that word again? Um, benevolent sexism. It's, I think, it, I, I feel like it's the disabilities equivalent, right? Like at, it all boils down to, you're not seeing me as a person. You're seeing a part of me that you want to see. Mm. Yeah. And model minorities as well, right? I think we see this a lot in race as well, where often particularly people of Asian descent are held up as being the perfect minority. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Everyone does so well at tests and they're so quiet. (laughs) I know. they're, They're the great workhorses. Yeah. It's just about having the freedom to exist in the world rather than succeeding. Like, it's about having the freedom to succeed or fail rather than just concentrating on the success, the ridiculous success, usually. That's right. And also success in a really particular defined way as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, if you were, like, in that classic idea, if you were a successful Asian artist, like, you were dead to your family. Like, <laughs> um, like what have you been doing? Like, we spent so much time working to get you here and you wasted on art? Like, what's wrong? Um, Why are you not a doctor? Yeah, that's right. You're not a doctor or a lawyer, you were dead to me. Like, yeah, um... And I think, I don't know if you guys have come across this, but I really love this metaphor um, applied to life of the relationship escalator. Mm-hmm. So it's that idea that, um, you know, that that everybody expects, everybody in society acts as if a relationship is an escalator, as in like, you know, everyone dates and then they, they you know, they go get married and then they have kids and then they, you know, they, they have a long life and then they die. And I like applying that idea to life, like as in, in the sense that everybody in society seems to think and all of these different stereotypes are essentially mm-hmm. trying to force us up an escalator that only goes to one spot. And all of this different, all of these things is, is literally us just trying to be like, no, 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 there are way, like there is a whole world out there. I don't have to go up yeah. that one area. I don't want to go up that one area. And to be, you know, castigated and, you know, looked down upon it and, and you know, actually be severely disadvantaged if you don't go up that escalator is mm-hmm. um, one of the problems that we're trying to, that we're all trying to battle against. That's such a helpful model of looking at it. Because it makes me think about education and how if you think about education and if you think about, like, if you want to come out of education successful, like, what it all is is an elevator funneling everyone to become professors. That's right. That's all it is. It is, yeah. Which is such... A limitation. Yeah. Sophia, I'm sure you have a lot of... Oh, I have so many feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so... Two big things, right? Firstly, so many people are forced to go into university who shouldn't be at fucking university and shouldn't have felt it as being necessary. I was in the extension class at high school and it was very clear there was like an expectation with a capital E on us Mm -hmm. to go to university. And like to some extent, I understand that it is a poor high school in Tauranga, New Zealand, and like we punch far above our weight for our successes. And like, okay, yes, I understand that social pressure, but also fuck off. Oh my God. The other thing is, science, okay, oh, <laughs> I'm okay, I'm going to calm down a little bit. 
the actual physical act of doing science doesn't require you to be any good at passing exams. Yeah. And I yeah. think there should be at least some positions within academia, within research science, yes. that are available as a, as apprenticeships. Mm. Yes. There's yeah. a lot of practical like, makes, stuff. It makes precisely zero fucking sense mm. to put someone through like a three-year degree if they're, you know, bad at exams, if they're bad at memorizing things in that very structured environment. Like, I'm shitty at exams, but thankfully I'm also a genius, so I got, like, a lot of B pluses. <laughs> like, but, like, I'm so much wildly better at research work. Like, you can just look at my honors work, and I got, like, an A plus for my research thesis, and, like, you know, hmm. Bs and B pluses for everything else. Like, which, you know, shakes out as a first class, but, like, that's because like I'm not good at exams I'm not good at sitting down and writing down everything I know in three hours but Mm. I'm really fucking good if you give me like a tube with some DNA in it and they're like (laughs) figure it out I'm like yeah let's go what's up and that's the really important stuff right like I mean that's you know nobody made an invention out of being really good at sitting at exams um it's one of those really fun it's one of those really funny things from my perspective because like on the outside, I was really good at the escalator. Um, I, you know, I was lucky enough to have a mum who taught me how to navigate the um, academic system. You know, I got good marks. I got all that sort of stuff. But Jesus, I would be screwed if you asked me to do anything practical. Like, and I, I certainly wouldn't survive, um, you know, on a desert island or anything. Like, it's <laughs> one of those things where, I, as a beneficiary of this system, I can see how broken it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, there should be many more different ways to achieve the knowledge and like the quote-unquote qualifications that you need to have your job and like this is really interesting so um a couple of nights ago I was talking to a bunch of STEM grads for work so we're sort of going like this is what we do like yay come work for us and a director who's like quite high up there and I was chatting to him before and I'm like oh so like my background's in genetics so not really like the natural route to here like what's your background and he's like oh I never went to uni and I'm just like yes I'm so pleased you're here I'm really glad you're a director I'm so happy about this he's (laughs) like yeah like I wagged too much high school like I don't know if he actually wagged he said he used up all of his um vacation days in Australian year 11 New Zealand year 12 sixth form and was asked, like, just told not to come back. Uh, And so started working in, like, server farms and was like, I really like, you know, just, like, plugging two servers together and, like, working in what at that time was cloud, um, which means wheeling server boxes around. And now he's a director at, like... And I was just, like, overwhelmingly pleased with the fact that that is an acceptable story at my workplace. Mm. Because, like, they're all sort of like, yeah, you know, whatever. We take people from wherever as long as they're good at problem solving. I'm always a bit suspicious of corporations. Yeah, Yeah. fair enough. I don't blame you. It's it's a nice (laughs) line, but, yeah. But that's a really – that that makes me really pleased to hear that story. I know. I was so happy. (laughs) Because it's so – it's so what actually happens, right? Like. I read a really interesting thing and I, I wish I could remember where I read it from, but they were essentially saying, so pretty passionate about the education system too. And I know that you probably know this about, you know, like that old idea that our current education system was built upon churning us out into factories pretty much. Yep. Like yep. it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's a factory system. And in which case the people who are really good at that, you know, to get good at the academic system means that you get good at following orders, that you yep. get good yep. at, you know, like writing down what you think somebody else wants you to say. In which case, right? Like, and don't get me wrong, I think we need those people. I think we need people to be good followers to sort of mm. do that. But we definitely need all these other people to solve problems in different ways, to be like, to, to solve problems in practical ways and all that sort of stuff. And my God, why don't we have a system for them? Yeah. Yeah. 
and academia is like so secretly flexible and it really bothers me that it's such a secret so like I was talking to um a girl that I'm sort of mentoring I like decided I was her mentor and she seems to be going (laughs) along with it um (laughs) and she was saying like you know I've had some family tragedies and I don't know if I'll get into honors and I'm like talk to your lecturer about it because I let you and she's like there's nothing anywhere that says that I'm like trust yeah. me yeah yeah and her lecturer immediately was like yeah you're super smart of course you can come into oh office. that's really really good yeah and it's just like I hate that that's so underground though I hate that like no one knows that you can that there are ways around like this very strict idea of like oh you have to be getting you know 70s and 80s more and more like you don't yeah. you have to be smart yeah. and you have to have a sponsor like <laughs> yeah it's true and, and it's and it's weird right because yeah as you said it's like it, it's just a complete disconnect from what we're told to um to what actually happens um, and like God, like why the hell don't they teach that at school? <laughs> yeah. But it also means like if you're not plugged into that network, and that's typically like that's women, that's minorities, that's mm. people who are classes being a bit weird, so probably neurodivergent. They're not plugged into that network. They're never going to find mm. out that there is that alternate route. That's for them. right, and it frustrates me. <laughs> Absolutely. And by the time they do, it's often too late. One of the most crushing experiences for me was when I was at uni. I was working as um as a student representative, volunteer something. I've forgotten what it was. But essentially what we did was we, we helped students who were facing exclusion from the university to try to plead their case against it. And like I had some crippling stories there where the, the system had failed them because like A, the system had failed them, I personally think, and B, they didn't know that there were ways to get around that. And one of those stories was this this poor girl who had been the first in her family to go to university. She'd been told because of her culture that she she had to be forced into an arranged marriage. And after that, her marks went to shit because she was horrible. Like, you know, she she was just finding it really hard to cope with that. And there were, let's be honest, there were a bunch of, you know, older academics who ha- were very white and they probably had no idea of how, how to even think about that sort of cultural thing or dismissed it as just a cultural thing. And she ended up getting excluded, which was really, really sad to me. So I think it's, it's one of those things, as you said, yes, there is flexibility for some people, but there's a lot of flexibility that's not there for the wrong people or the people that they think is the wrong people. And I've always sort of always carried that with me because it, it was like a really, yeah, it was a really awful experience. And like to, to see that and feel like I couldn't help her and to make me really distrust systems, <laughs> to be very <laughs> honest, or, or, very, or very rigid systems, I should say. Yeah. So much of, um, so much of my adult life and so much of my like, relationships with white friends essentially has been punctuated by moments of hearing them tell a story about a a boring life thing like oh they got a fee on a thing or like they got a penalty fee for something or Mm. they um they got in trouble for this thing or they're looking to get a a price for something and all of these stories they just go oh okay so you can just um ring them up and ask for a better deal or like you could ring them up and say no I don't think I should have this fee Uh, and every time I hear that I'm just like wait you can do that that's a possibility for something to happen to you that you don't want and for you to just ask for it to not happen oh my god that's horrifying to me I hate that (laughs) but it's true it's like what you have a cheat code yeah like I had no idea that you that this was even possible for you to want something at a better price or for you to want something at I don't know at all and to just ask for it what <laughs> like what world have I been living in <laughs> what kind of sucker am I like <laughs> yeah no no completely agree it's really interesting to me because I think it's 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 also I think an educational thing right like I feel like the more educated you are the more you realize 
Um, and the more you get taught that there are these sorts of things that you can do, which means that we've got systems that end up just catering to people who are already better off. Yeah. And who, who get to have the rules not apply to them. And yeah, no, completely agree with you, Serena. It's, <laughs> it's a horrifying thing. And it's one of those things where, like, from from a legal perspective, like, people will be like, oh, no, like, you know, that's fine. I'll be like, oh, just write to them. And they'll be like, what do you mean write to them? I'll be like, well, generally there's a human behind that chair. And if you're lucky um, and you write well, like, they might let you off. And they're like, what? You can and, do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, or like even in, 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 in another area, right? It's like, well, yeah, sure, they made that ruling that you're not an asylum seeker. We can appeal that. And it's like, you can appeal? The, the law wasn't final? Like, what is this? It's like, well, actually, we're like, <laughs> there aren't like, it's, it's really frustrating, right? Like, there's a lot of paper around, but at the end of the day, it's humans making the decision. Yeah. I think one of the um, the most developmental experiences that I sort of had was I worked in the New Zealand public health care system for a bit. Oh, wow. And some of that meant I had to, like, cold call people, generally to just, like, check that we'd be sending mail to their right address. So I'd be, like, wanting to send them a letter being like, hey, you've been approved for this, like, funding, get your treatment, get better, have fun. I can't say any of that until I, like, call them and I'm like, hey, can I confirm a couple of things with you? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And generally they're, like, real shirty with you and they're just like, what do you mean you're calling me? And I'm like, no, now I've confirmed your identity. Like, you're good to go. We're going to send you a letter about that. And they're just like, oh, oh, okay. And I think that, like, realising that no one who I ever phoned saw me as human (laughs) was really, really good for me because it means things like I had some difficulties getting my internet connected here. Mm. And when I rang the internet thing and they were like, oh, it's going to be another two weeks, I got really grumpy. And then I was like, hey, I'm I'm so sorry. Like, I recognize this isn't your fault. I'm just finding this really frustrating right now. But I realize it's inappropriate. Like, I, like, you know, said something very sharp. I'm like, I'm I'm really sorry. Like, I realize it's inappropriate for me to take my anger out on you. And she's like, nope, fair enough. I'd be really angry too. Like, I'll see if I can, like, get, you know, the price taken down or something. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, oh, when you're nice to people, things work out. But, like, yeah, that most important thing of, like, realising that when you – even, like, when you have a cold caller, like, yeah. they're just doing their job. Yeah. Just be like, yeah. hey, nah, hang up. Don't be rude Don't or be anything. Just, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then it turns out really well for you. It turns out being nice is good. Like, <laughs> being nice is good. I know. <laughs> yes. That's, it's my favourite thing is both a pragmatist and an idealist. It's like, well, you know, on the one hand, I want to be nice to people. And on the other hand, yes, it's actually good. Like, yay. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's generally good. And, and I think one – Sorry, on that point to me, like one of the stories that really made me pleased to hear as well is that one of the big things I think these days with um, the internet and technology and the dehumanization of people by being online is like obviously trolls, right? Mm-hmm. And there yeah. are stories that are coming out where people meet their trolls and there are some of them who are like, wow, shit, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I guess part of me, like what they're really saying is I guess part of me didn't realize that you were human. And yeah. so I was just I was just taking out all this stuff on you. And so like when we get that human connection, and when people realise, I guess, how important it is. One of those really, really big things that I, I think I'm hoping that we'll see more of in in technology is, is, is like how important it is to actually rehumanise ourselves through it, which is mm. definitely not really happening at the moment. <laughs> Dylan Marin has that podcast, Conversations with People Who Hate Me, where he like... <laughs> That's, that, I haven't heard of that. Sounds hilarious. Uh, well, he has like... Um, he has like a TED talk about it as well, sort of about how he turns like negative online comments into positive offline conversations. And it's like he takes people who are like harassing him on Twitter and he's like, Hey, can you come on my podcast? 
like we'll we'll talk about this like we'll talk about why you feel this way and like i think that shows like incredible resilience because like i would not be up for that but from what i've heard like it results in like really (laughs) positive conversations where people kind of realize and they're like yeah i feel this way because of these reasons but I can see from this conversation that maybe not all of those are true. Yeah, no, that, it is. That's so cool. Um, and I'm so glad that people are doing that. It's it's one of those things. I think I get really passionate about things. I get really angry. And to sort of be reminded to step back and be like, no, no, you're arguing with somebody who's real. Like, I, that's something I really need to work on. I know. But, you know, I think the more of us that are aware of that and the more of these different stories that we see, that's really mm-hmm. awesome that he's doing that. I definitely am. Um, I'm very conscious of whether i want to die on a particular hill or not i think that's very helpful yeah <laughs> yes yeah that's a yes. that's a good point it's good <laughs> particularly yeah. when people do things at work that i don't agree with i'm like you know what not my hill to die on you have fun with that <laughs> yeah yeah that's i it's, it's the biggest thing i've learned um in my professional life is to just pick your battles yeah that's it no but also like it's it's a it's it's a good point i think it's one as well like this just sort of goes back to this weird corporate experience that i have which is that um i'm sort of starting to get enough experience that i'm leading negotiations which like wow i can't believe they're letting me do that but hey sure i'll take that as a learning experience (laughs) if you're gonna let me do that um and realizing that yeah like a lot of people we're fundamentally trying to get together and build something or let somebody get some technology in or implement it or whatever right but to sort of see, like, there are some people who go at it like it's a hill to die on when it isn't. And yeah. it's so much. And, and to sort of see really good people who've done this for ages to be so calm and so and so good at what they do and to do it with kindness and to do yeah. it recognising that they're human. And they always get the best results. It's it's one of those things that I'm trying to work on because I, I will often, you know, be like, no, but can't you see? Can't you understand? And I think that's <laughs> actually a challenge for when... Um, when when you are lucky enough to be highly educated and, and you've spent all this time reasoning and arguing as if people actually respond to reason and arguments when sometimes <laughs> what they respond to is you know just that recognition that hey yeah i'm a fellow human can we can we fix yeah. something out that's honestly i think the most valuable thing i've learned at work is that it's cool to have the best ideas and it's cool to like be right and all but it means nothing if no one is willing to work with you yeah so you have to you have to do your best to like come up with you know the best ideas and you you do your best whatever but it is worth so much to put in the time because everyone just wants to be respected right everyone just wants to be respected feel you know reasonably important and like they are a human being contributing to something positive and that's natural for everyone to want so putting in the time and effort to make sure that people feel respected, that people feel like their opinions are heard Mm. and and valued, builds basically the foundational relationship that's needed to get those good ideas across. And it doesn't matter if you got the best idea ever, if no one wants to work with you. Absolutely. It's, and, and like just circling back to the conversation that we had before, it's like one of those things where, you know, the education system teaches you, yeah, it's about getting the best idea. It's about getting the right answer. Yeah, yeah. It's about competing with each other on exams to get the right marks. And then suddenly you're thrown out into the world and you're like, whoa, whoa, what is this? These people aren't my competition anymore. I need to work with them. Like it's it's the worst way to prepare somebody to work in the real world. What is this empathy you speak of? Like <laughs> Being nice to people? <laughs> collaboration isn't that cheating (laughs) (laughs) it's um it's been very funny uh working with 
people who are quite fresh grads from undergrad and seeing them sort of be very suspicious of group work. Whereas people yeah. who come from postgrad are like, they've often had to like work in teams and like, you know, I think postgrad can often be like quite a good transition to like the real working environment. I need to like kind of caveat that with the like literally only do postgrad if you know it will be valuable to you because otherwise it's far <laughs> too stressful don't do it it's not a holding pattern for life but like it also is like quite a good transition step and so like all the other postgrads I people who are grads from postgrad that I work with like yeah they're cool with working in teams they're like they're like yeah everyone does their work and if they don't then you know the rest of us sort of pull together and figure that out whereas the fresh grads are like I hate a group assignments. I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, to be fair, same. <laughs> like, when I was, <laughs> when I finished my yeah. honours year, I was like, I will murder everyone I've ever done a group assignment with, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I agree. Like, uh, yeah, I definitely don't have, I think the only good memory I have of group work when I was at university was when it, it was lucky enough that we got to choose our own teams and I was working with a bunch of friends. And mm. it's it's that thing, right? You're throwing all these people together who've never been taught how to do group work, who've never been taught any of this stuff about, you know, teams and leadership and collaboration. And then you're suddenly expecting that to be okay. Like it's just never it's it's it's, it's not gonna go it's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> and trust, like trust is a big part of it. Yeah. Trust is so tricky as well, especially in a corporate environment, because you're often forced to work with people that, you know, you might not um, naturally vibe with, and you have to make it work. Tim Gunn, make it work. And I remember, like, when I started my job, I thought it was really strange that the company was investing so much time and effort on, like, team building things like oh we'll <laughs> take a team day out and like we'll go race some go go-karts around the track or like we'll go and you know it, it was seen as really important that like we would every so often go out for a team lunch and I, I was just so confused I'm like what what why are we doing wasting our time having fun at work I didn't understand it mm. um, I understand it now it, it's to build trust it's to build trust with your coworkers, and I think that's probably why everyone hated group assignments at uni <laughs> Because we did not take the time to do that bonding, to see each other as, you know, full human beings and to build that relationship first before yeah. we went and did the work. Which is why, like, when you choose to work with your friends, it's fantastic because it's like we already have that rapport with each other. Yeah, that's right. It's such a good point um, that it's about that trust. I had to set group assignments for my second years and I would always just be like, First of all, you get marks for creativity. So if you bake me cookies, like that is creative and you'll get good marks. <laughs> so just saying. But also just like really recommend I'm just like spend time together. Like if you're watching a movie, because it was like um they had to do a critical analysis of a book or a film with regards to like the use of scientific concepts within that book. Like one of the books was Brave New World, right? And they had to sort of talk about oh, like the scientific concepts and like the ethics within the book and how that marries to what we see today in the world. So like really interesting, fun assignment. And typically it's science kids who are doing it. So they're like, what do you mean? There's no right answer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, like have coffees together like i strongly recommend you guys hang out after this class if you have time and get to know each other rather than just saying this is like a group assignment and often oh, like that's the amazing. kids bonded really well because like i mean to be fair assignment was really fun um <laughs> and not stressful at all i loved my course because i could just be like eh, do whatever it's an ethics course like if you can justify it you can have the marks but yeah also like I just saw them like spend time together and the groups that like hung out did really well a lot of the time I think also like that makes it easier to like call out stuff when you feel like you're in a like 
less good working environment and I've had people at mm. even like last year which I had like three jobs last year so this is fine so like over the last few years like 2017 <laughs> 2018 right like I've had people use gay as a slur in front of me oh, no. and I'm just like who the fuck what? are you like where oh. have you been <laughs> like guys like, yeah. okay you're giving so there was um God, anyone who was there will know exactly what this is, but I think I can describe it, like, vaguely enough. So, um, there was an event where we were given, like, rainbow-coloured things, and they weren't for a queer thing. They were for something else, some other kind of fundraising thing and, like, recognition thing. And the person who gave it to us was like, oh, and you need to be aware that it's for this particular fundraising thing. So when someone goes to you, oh, why are you wearing a rainbow thing? Is it because you're gay? And I, like, butted in. I was like, I'll say yes. And the person <laughs> who gave it to me, like, kind of paused it. And they were like, oh, yeah. But also, like, this fundraising thing's really important. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not if you use the word gay like that. <laughs> like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but now I have more rainbow stuff. So, like, really, it was a win for me. But, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> that kind of stuff happened, like, at a work wow. event. And it was just kind of like, who yeah. are you? <laughs> That's not cool. Where did you come from? It's it's one of those things where I, I definitely found stepping out. Sorry, two things. The first is that can, I wish Sophia that we could clone you and that you could like teach all the things because I would go back to uni <laughs> if that was the case. Um, but the second thing, the second thing was it's like I coming out of uni and like the, my little bubble of friends who we all understood these sort of things and going to the real world was just like what huh like what there are people around who still don't get that you know it's it's this century and like you know we don't say shit like that anymore and like you know just just god be better people yeah who raised you to say that (laughs) shit god i don't get it at all and also like i'm not exactly subtle right so for people (laughs) to say that in front of me it's just kind of like what the fuck are you doing Like, read the room. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's back to the education point. A lot of people don't seem to realise, right? Like, that, or or they don't have the ability to read a room or know why that's important or, like, all that sort of different stuff. Mm. I I remember, I can't say, it wasn't at my workplace. My workplace are pretty good at this sort of stuff. But it was at another workplace where I was with some clients and we were running a meeting and I was definitely the youngest one in a room and the others were definitely, like, all male um, and much older than me. And at one point, one of them turned to me and they're like, gee, you're actually quite intelligent, aren't you? Oh, my God. i like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, beautiful. I have had that before, yeah. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Like, what do you think you're saying, dude? So, like, step back and listen to yourself. Yeah, I have I totally had that. Like, people, especially in a room where you're very young and the only woman, is just people keep, like... And they mean it with the best of intentions. They do. And they, it's just their way of being nice. But, like, so many people have pulled me aside afterwards and been like, wow, Serena, you're so smart. It's like, <laughs> how do you reply to the thank you? <laughs> just say yes. I, I, like, <laughs> I've really got into the habit of when people say, like, obvious shit to me about how great I am. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good habit to get into. It's like, that is, yeah, oh, it's God, good. I've had so many, like, old white men tell me that my name means wisdom. And I just, like, I don't <laughs> you know, know why that? they, yeah, I don't know why they feel the need to tell me this. I don't understand it. But they're like, oh, Sophia, did you know it means wisdom? It's like, would be a poor name if I didn't. Like, let's be real. <laughs> and generally I can respond to me like, oh, actually my first name is Sophia Louise, which means like wisdom warrior. And they're like, oh, how interesting. And it's like, it's a fine interaction and I 
fucking hate yeah. it every time it happens. <laughs> you know, Fred, I did, sorry, although on that side note, that's an awesome name in that case. Like, I knew about the wisdom thing. I did not know about the warrior thing. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. My mum thought I would be bullied if I was called Athena, so. Uh... Yeah, my parents give me lots of stuff with owls on them. Like, it's all very cute. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. But yeah, sorry, on the other point, like, yeah, good good idea. Like, I think it's one of those things where more of us need to learn. Like, there's that instinctual response when somebody's like, you're good at a thing. Like, to the point where I think somebody was giving me compliments at work and it was actually, no, not, not my workplace, but another workplace. And it was actually so weird to me that I found it, mm. like, creepy. Like, I'm just like, you don't just, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's, we're not socialised in some ways to, yeah. like, we're all, particularly in Australia, and I think particularly doubly so if you're a woman and then even more so if you're an Asian woman you're not mm. meant to be like you know what I am pretty awesome thank you <laughs> <laughs> um that that felt really uncomfortable just saying it yeah and I, I don't know if it's like a British thing in Australia New Zealand to just mm, possibly completely, like curl up into a ball whenever someone gives you a compliment of any time like someone was complimenting me at work the other day and I literally went Ah, and I like, I, like <laughs> walked out of the room. I, which now that I think about it, must have been really strange for them. <laughs> but I completely get you. Like it is so weird. It's so strange. Something I've been trying really hard to get into the habit of at work is like praising people, but like not praising them for being like smart or like talented, but being like, hey, I think you're doing a really good job. This problem's really yeah. difficult, and I think you're working on it really well. And yeah, I've definitely nice. had a colleague who's just like, I don't know how to respond to this. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, often he'll be kind of like, okay, cool, fuck off. Like, I don't, I don't want this. Like, I don't want this in my life. And I'll just be like, I yeah. understand your defensiveness and I realise that you're getting there. And then, like, after we've done it a few times, and, like, we kind of have banter, so it's okay that he's just like, I hate you too. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, actually, this made me feel a lot better. Like, thank you. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I was like, I'm yeah. so proud of you. No, that's Aww. really good. But also, that is, thank you, that is, like, the best way to give a compliment. It's not about some fixed attribute that's sort of implying that they're yeah. surprised yeah. that you're intelligent. Like, that's what always really gets me, right? It's like, oh, you're surprised because you thought I was going to be dumb. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's on the one hand. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, like, you know, this sort of stuff, it's not a fixed attribute. Yeah. And, yeah. and I feel like, for me, people have called me intelligent. I've always found it hard to believe that because I, I worked with, or slash I went to school with these these veritable, like, actual geniuses who, like, went off and, like, you know, were chess champions and did amazing things <laughs> and I did and like and it was really good for me to experience that and and to be like you know it's they're awesome intelligence is not everything and it's also not yeah. it, a, it's also not a fixed attribute but whatever but to be like but what you can control is how hard you work mm. how you try yes. how you work with other people right like those are things that should definitely be complimented for rather mm. than it's like you know yeah that's an awesome way to give a compliment yeah. well it's something I got into the habit of spending time around children so like my cousins have an almost four-year-old and a one-year-old and like uh, with the older one like a lot of the time like he might be upset over something and I'm like hey I realize this is difficult for you but I'm proud of you for working on it and like that's kind of like the habit we want to get him into right is like getting him to mm-hmm. work on growth rather than like you know repressing his emotions which we don't want him to do yeah. it's like hey I understand that you're upset and it's okay to express it like this or thank you for like trying to verbalize what you want to me but I understand it's really difficult. And so, like, doing that with my colleagues has actually worked out really well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Just like, oh, yeah. It's such, a, it's such a good framework for compliments, but it 
thinking about it, it's a really good framework for criticism as well. Is yeah. to say, if I don't agree with this thing that you're doing, or if I if I don't agree with something, it's not it's not that I think you're dumb. It's not yeah. that I think you as a person. It's not that I don't agree with you as a person. It's that I don't agree with this certain specific action, and making sure that any criticism is focused on something that's not fixed, that's not a fixed attribute, that's malleable, it's changeable, um, is, I found that work has been really, really good and so much better than, yeah, it just, it just boils down to being nice to people, right? Yes. Yeah. That's all it is. Be nice to people. And and I guess also, like, I think recognising, like, the whole fixed growth mindset thing, to compliment somebody on attributes or, like, attributes that you think that you recognise that that can work sometimes, right? And it's good to sort of compliment on a base, but oftentimes, like, mm. I just think it's more powerful to to compliment people on something that, that's actually within their control. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that, like, you know, it, it's, God, this is terrible to go back to this, but it's like being like, congratulations, you're white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Gold star. You somehow have a vaguely symmetrical face. Good work on that. Thanks, I grew up myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, but it, it's it's so much more, like, satisfying and powerful to be like, you know, hey, yeah, I can see... You're trying really hard and like mm-hmm. even if it's you're not there at the moment, keep going. Um, we have a funny story in my family where Asian parents, all these classic things, and I, I feel really bad for my poor sister, but it's really funny, right? So um my my parents decided that my brother and I were the smart ones and my sister just worked really hard. Oh, no. And it was terrible. It was terrible. I felt so bad yeah. for her. Um yeah. and I really hope she never listens to this podcast because but anyway, the point is though that I find this really funny and I love, and the reason I bring out this story is because I'm so goddamn proud of her because she's ended up Mm. being this amazing, you know, she's a Rhodes Scholar. She is going around with her own startup to make things better for kids. Like she's just like an absolute gun, like, and it's got nothing to do with, like, it's just, it's this really thing where I'm in awe of her and I'm so proud of her all the time. And I just love that little story. Like it's, uh, my parents didn't mean badly. They were just being themselves, but it's, it's like, you know, screw what these different attributes are. It's all about what you do. That's so funny that you say that because I have the exact same story. <laughs> oh, <do you? laughs> yeah, because my parents have has always uh, they've always thought of me as the smart one, and my sister was just the one that worked really hard. And my sister is incredible, and I'm so incredibly proud of her. She is an artist. She's a designer. She had a business at 15 that made a profit. Like she's incredible. Whoa. Yeah, I know. She's already beating like 90% of the Silicon Valley startups. Right? <laughs> right? That's that's what I've been telling her. And what was wild was that um I was at home for for Chinese New Year one year and my sister like was at badminton practice and I was just having dinner with my parents just um just the three of us. And there was something that came in the mail to say that like my sister had won some kind of scholarship or competition or something and something about like her getting really good marks and this thing I can't really remember but I remember my parents sitting there and being like wow we had no idea that Aileen was smart (laughs) and I was just like what the (laughs) fuck (laughs) (laughs) wrong lesson wrong lesson yeah yeah they were just like we had no idea that like Aileen was achieving all of these things she just didn't like like they were short circuiting <laughs> because like I was supposed to be the smart one and the achiever and Aileen was just really good at trying really hard and working really hard and I had to have this like strange co- conversation with them where it was like 
you know, your daughter, uh, Aileen, is really, really friggin' awesome. And I think they they know that. Like, I'm, I'm painting them out to be, like... I don't know. I don't know if it's a weird cultural thing. It's difficult but... when you're the smart one, though. I mean... You know, like, like to sort of go, like, paint your parents in a sympathetic light. <laughs> um, no, no, to be fair, I completely get it, though. Like, cultural... Maybe... I don't know if it is a cultural thing, but, like, I, I know what you mean, Serena. Like, I'm, I, I'm sure that they absolutely loved... And they love your sister. They yeah. just didn't think they just didn't have her in that category, and so it's yeah. like can't compute. Yeah, brain short circuiting. Why? Why is she getting all these accolades and awards? We weren't expecting it. Yeah, it was just such a strange conversation to have. But it's it's so funny that you mentioned that about your family because I have the exact same story. I feel like we must we can't be the only ones. There must be like like I guess it must be this. Yeah, this this general stereotype, and I'm sure it, it's not just Asian families, but I just feel like just given the cultural stuff, it's probably quite quite a lot of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very much the smart one. My brother was also there, <laughs> which I find more frustrating, I think, these days than I used to, because it's still kind of that dynamic a lot of the time at home. Mm. Um, but he's like easily as smart as me. Like I was home last November. And he's the member of my family who, like, keeps up to date with science and technology. So I mentioned that I use CRISPR. Oh, cool. And he's like, oh, cool. Like, what are you using it for? Uh, like, are you doing it like this? Like, are you using it in stem cells? Because, like, he reads about that. He just doesn't want to study it. Like, and so my parents are like, if he doesn't want to study it, clearly he's unintelligent. <laughs> oh, dear. And I was like, ah, oh, yes. Good. I love your rigid viewpoints on the world, mother and father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I can definitely sympathize with your brother. I, I just, yeah, I can't make it as a scientist, but I love reading about it. And it's just so, and I think you need both. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those weird things where, um, sorry, and this is on a, on a slightly different topic, but I find it really funny to, to compare communities with terrorist cells. Um, <laughs> and I know that's really bizarre, but, but bear with me, bear with me. Um, and the reason I say that is because if you look at successful terrorist or insurgent sort of things, you have, you always have, like, to survive, you always have a small cell of the people who are actually doing the fighting. Mm. But what people always don't see is that you have that big community behind them that's supporting them in some way, that believes the same things. They might not even be actively supporting. They might not be actively giving money or food or all that sort of stuff. But there's this, they're, they're like, to survive, There's it's like, it's like a pyramid. You've got the people at the top who are the actual, you know, people who are the most visible, the fighters, and you've got the ones below them who are providing, you know, the active economic and practical support that they need, and mm. also the emotional support. And then you've got the, the bigger, broader community of, of who sort of believe in what they do, and, and you need all of those for them to be a successful group. And I think that's true of anything, really, like of any, any sort of movement. You'll, you need the active people, but without that community support, um, mm. supporting it and behind it and, and sort of, you know, like uh, not picking up the pieces, but like, you know, doing all this other sort of stuff, that, that kind of pulls in even bigger support to, to kind of keep growing it and so that it doesn't die. And, and that's why I always find it like it's something that I need to remind myself. It's like just because you're not an act. A lot of people, I think, kick themselves because they're not active parts of stuff that they truly believe in. And I think actually that in a, in a, in a world that values leaders but not followers, in a world that, you know, values doers but doesn't necessarily value, like, you know, the people who support that, like people can sort of feel not important. or But actually, I think they're incredibly important for that reason. This has been Things of Interest, and thank you so much, Erica, for joining us and talking about the law and technology and science fiction and 
how families are like terracels. <laughs> Where can our listeners find you? Um, I've got a website, uh, ericachanwrites.com. I can't say I'm amazingly active on it, but if you email me through that, I'll definitely get back to you. So thank you. Um, do you want to spruik your Twitter or? Oh, um, look, I'll be honest, I'm terrible at the social media at the moment. I'd much rather just find me on Facebook, friend me. We can be people. I, I, I'm, not, I'm terrible at this branding thing. I'm terrible <laughs> at this marketing thing. I just like connecting and talking with people. Okay, fabulous. Well, it's, it's been so much fun for us to have you on. Uh, and I think Serena will emphatically agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It's been so fun being on. It's been such an honor. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So as usual, you can also find us online. We're um, our website's thingsofinterest.co. We're on Twitter at castinginterest. And you can email us, castinginterest at gmail.com. And of course, we're on Facebook as Things of Interest. Um, if you've liked this episode, you can leave us a review on whatever you listen to podcasts on, Apple Podcasts. I use Podcast Addict. It's quite a good app, in my opinion. Or you can tell a friend. That's how more people find out about us, uh, is by you going away and telling people and saying, hey, there's this really good podcast that I listen to. It's pretty awesome. They had this really cool guest called Erica Chan. Um, <laughs> is that everything? Oh, sorry. One more thing. Thank you. Um, I was reminded, and I would love to do this, I would be happy to give like a free copy of my book Division to anyone who listens to this because I just like stories being read and that's diverse so if you guys would like something cool and free I will you know just email me and I'll send you a copy oh, that's cool. so we're lovely. running a giveaway now yeah. sorry sorry I should have possibly <laughs> told you guys that. I should have possibly told you guys that straight up I forgot my bad <laughs> that's okay thank you so much that's really sweet as usual I've been Sophia Friends and I'm Serena Chin and as always stay interesting